As we go to scripture this morning, right? <laughs> um, th- this is a very familiar story for us. It is the story of the baptism of Jesus. It was so important to Jesus that he be baptized. Baptism is, to some extent, a mark in time from the old to the new. And it's why we have frankincense and myrrh in there as well. But what I want you to notice this morning is what does God say about Jesus? And might God be saying the same thing about each one of us? David. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Thanks be to God. About 20 years ago, I remember the day, and it is so vivid still in, um, in my mind. It was a day that Dorothy and I stood before a judge and I had the opportunity to adopt her two children. And I remember the words that were used by the judge. Um, and, and this judge, she, she took it and, and made it so personal. And I remember raising my, my, my right hand and, and, and absolutely committing. <laughs> to love these two with all my heart. To embrace them in amazing and wonderful ways. And what had happened within a year, within a year, the line between adopted and biological disappeared. And it is gone to this day. And this, this was long before Koro was born. And Koro would say the same thing, that there is no line between adoption and biological. I love those children Ben and Laura, the same way I love Adam and Cora. And we, we joke a lot about what were we thinking when we named Cora, because invariably, uh, over and over on Christmas morning, we would call one the wrong one Laura and the wrong one Cora. <laughs> but we remember our Jewish ber- roots because now we have Laura Ben Cora. <laughs> and then there's Adam. Adoption is so rich, or it can be. It can be so beautiful. I, 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 I wasn't going to do this, but I've got to say, I've been watching you two now for two years after you adopted Isaac. And there, Tom, i got to tell you, Isaac's starting to look like you a whole lot more. <laughs> and it's just so true. And he has, he has the combination of both of your attitudes. And he is your child. There is absolutely... He is your child. And it is what adoption can and must do of realizing these are our children and they are gifts of us sometimes in incredibly and often miraculous ways. Gifts to us of God. But with it comes responsibility. 
And friends, that's baptism. Baptism is that moment in time, that mark in time that says either a commitment, a covenant is being made for us by those who love us dearly. Or it's a mark in time where we ourselves say, I think of Allison and her baptism, you know, where our Allison, even at nine years old, was able to come and meet with me in my office and say, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to enter into this deeper relationship with Christ and a deeper relationship with the community. And that's the other piece of it. But I have to tell you that baptism has a shadow side. And as a pastor, I have certainly experienced that shadow side often. And that shadow side involves two specific things. How often a parent will come to me as we talk about baptism. I meet with most parents before baptism to talk about what baptism is and even what baptism is not. For all too many parents, baptism continues to be something that they do out of fear for their children. That as soon as the baby is born or within a very short amount of time, they want to make sure that that baby is baptized for fear that that baby might die and not get to heaven. That breaks my heart. Because that that says and proclaims a belief in God that I think is so far off the mark. So far off the mark. That how in the world could we want to follow a God or believe in a God or worship a God who would potentially reject a baby. Or the other, the other piece of it is often that, that the confusion about, well, if I'm baptized, then what I get is my, I get my get out of jail free card. Right? I'm baptized and I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I can pretty much do whatever I want. And that's not to say that they're not trying to do the right things. At the same time, there's this get-out-of-jail-free card mentality that says, well, because I'm baptized and I believe in Jesus, I'm in, baby. I'm in. And neither one of those represent, to me, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Neither one. I continue to be heartbroken by churches that even, and I will share this, even churches who will sit at the funeral of a two-year-old and talk about how lucky that child is that they were raised in a Christian home and proclaim Jesus as their Savior. Because they're in heaven. And then that same pastor will come in the midst of a funeral and say to the congregation, you better get your kids baptized or you better get your kids to believe. Because if you don't, they're going to go to hell. Here's the deal. We need to be the alternative voice. We need to absolutely proclaim that there is a God who absolutely loves us, every one of us, as beloved children of God. We need to teach a different gospel than what is being taught out there right now. We need to make a stand to say, this God loves you. And if you want to know how much this God loves you, yes, you need to look at Jesus, but it's not necessarily about sin. If you look at Jesus, and as we study the Gospel of Matthew, look at who He healed. 
He healed and brought into this community, that community of love and faith, every single rejected person that he could find. The first healing in the Gospel of Matthew is the healing of a leper. And the lepers were absolutely rejected, believing by the church that those folks were cursed. And what did Jesus do? What did Matthew do? That healing of the leper was the first healing on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount to say, this one is a part of God's kingdom. As is the hated centurion. As is the mother-in-law. As is the paralytic. Cursed? No. Loved. Adopted. Healed. Resurrected. Yes. You're going to hear a lot more about this this year. This alternative voice that we need to proclaim. And with courage. And I I want to just spend a moment and talk about one of my mentors who died on Friday. And this is a huge loss to the church. And I mean the greater church. Jack Toole, dear friend of my parents, bishop in the United Methodist Church. Jack was an attorney before he became a pastor. Jack was instrumental in recreating the Book of Discipline in ways that included at that time, included in 1972 the language that homosexuality is incompatible with Scripture, with Christian teaching. Those are Jack Toole's words. Within 10 to 15 years, Jack had gone through a major transition in his life, and I will point to the, the fact that some of that brought by my father, my dad, to say that was wrong. That was wrong. And Jack spent the rest of his career and the rest of his life battling that to say, God is a God of love and grace. God is a God of acceptance and nurture. And I remember we talked about this. The last time I was with Jack and Margie was also with the first woman ever to be ordained in the United Methodist Church a number of uh, months ago as 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 Dorothy and I picked them up and, and drove them and my parents, these, these five amazing folks, up to a gay wedding in Bellingham and listen to Jack talk about his guilt, to listen to him talk about the fact that, that if, if it was the last thing he did, he wanted to see that language removed from the Book of Discipline. It didn't happen. But we're going to still work on it. Baptism is the adoption into that community. And friends, every family has disagreements. Every family on the planet has disagreements. Every family, if healthy, can continue to love and accept each other in the midst of those disagreements. And the United Methodist Church is a family. And we continue in various parts of this country to vehemently disagree with each other. And what breaks my heart is that even in the midst of celebrating our baptism together, we're talking about splitting again. Please, let's not do this. Please, let's teach the world that there's an alternative. That there's a way to talk about these things with love and grace. And to celebrate that in the midst of our baptism. Baptism is about healing. Baptism is about being drawn in to an accepting, loving, caring, nurturing community, even where we can disagree. 
baptism. It's about new life. And I believe there's still possibilities of new life even in the midst of this denomination and into the greater church of Christianity that so dramatically disagrees with each other. If we but remember our baptism and be thankful. In the earliest times of the early church, and you've heard me talk about this before, the wealthy among them would provide a room in the early church set apart from the rest of the house. And it was usually a small room, but had at least two sets of double doors. And in those two sets, within those two sets of double doors was this room, and in the middle of the room was a stone sarcophagus, a stone hand-carved stone casket. And for baptism, they would fill that stone sarcophagus with water. And again, remember where we're dealing with, and water was a, an incredibly expensive, I mean, to have it delivered to your home in the way that would require for this kind of baptism is an act of love. And that sarcophagus, sarcophagus would be filled with water. And in the midst of that, then, the person who was to be baptized would be surrounded by community. Surrounded by community. But when it came to walking into that room, only those of their same gender would come in with them. And they would wear their normal clothes into that room. And as they got there to the foot of that sarcophagus, they would be asked to strip. And those clothes would be taken out of the room and burned. And into that sarcophagus would step this new Adherent. And they would be lowered down, not three times, just once, but immerse fully into that water and be brought back up to resurrection and new life. And then immediately, even often while standing there, the person who was doing the baptism would take oil, frankincense, and myrrh and anoint them a sign of the cross on the forehead to remind them that these elements were the elements brought to Jesus as gift. One representing what their life was to be, which is a life of healing. The second, that this, this act, this symbolic sacrament, said new life that you are to be born into this new life and primarily defined by the fact that now you become a healer, a bringer of peace, anointed that way with the combination of these two oils. On this second Sunday of January, every year we remember the baptism of Jesus. And we're to be reminded that this is how we're to be, that this is what? identifies us. This is what names us. This is what defines us. And I know within this sanctuary are folks who adamantly and vehemently disagree with each other. And yet in the midst of it all, this is what unites us. That we are to be people of healing and peace. That we are to be a community that can talk about hard things and still love each other. And this Sunday, we're reminded that that's who we are in community. And it is all about community. All about community. 
At our baptisms, we are asked specific questions or our parents are asked specific questions. I want to come back to these questions. I've rewritten them a little bit so they may not quite sound exactly the same as what was spoken for you at your baptism. As preparation for opening up the opportunity for you to come and be anointed, I want to have a few moments to relate to these questions one more time. I want you to spend some time and think about whether or not you still believe these things or are ready to commit yourselves again to the commitment that was made for you or by you at your baptism. And by the way, friends, not everybody in this congregation has been baptized. We are not about who's in and who's out. These questions still relate to you. And you are still welcome to come and have the sign of the cross placed on your forehead. This isn't about, this isn't a club that requires certain things for membership. But listen to these questions and think about what it is we're trying to establish here or continue to establish here as we seek to be that voice in the community. Do you remember that there is a power greater than yourselves? A power that has hopes and expectations of those who seek to follow. Do you accept the kind of freedom and power given you by God? We are not a people of oppression. We are a people of freedom. And that's the voice that needs to be heard. We are not a people of oppression. We are people of freedom. And in that freedom comes power and responsibility. Do you accept that kind of freedom and power? Do you seek to be a follower of Jesus? And if so, are you willing to heal, to love, to encourage, to uplift, and continuously seek to bring peace anywhere and everywhere you can? Finally, will you nurture each other in this ministry as the primary purpose of the church as beloved children of God? Will you nurture each other and everyone who walks through these doors? Will you nurture each other, each understanding that you are a beloved child of God. I will be here with oil, frankincense, and myrrh as a reminder as is that and this of the questions that we were asked or were asked of us at our baptisms And this is to recommit ourselves to living that life. There is no pressure to come forward and be anointed. But there is invitation to come and be anointed. Angie's going to play. And as we prepare, will you pray with me?
God, as we come to this place. Help this be a sanctuary of love and grace. In as much as we may not agree with each other, help this to be a place of family, of commitment, of remembering in this moment of time, and to some extent to be remarked in a way that says we are believers. Even in the midst of some of our doubts, we are ones who hope in belief. Help this be a time of freedom for us. Help us to create a voice that can be heard throughout this community. A voice of love and grace. If we don't start there, there's little more to say. We come here knowing that we don't have all the answers. And yet we come committed to each other to continue to search and believing that we will find God, in this moment of remembering our baptism or of recommitting ourselves to this work, I ask your blessing on every soul represented in this room. Those at first service, those that couldn't be here this morning, help us commit our lives to you and to each other. All this in Christ's name. Amen.